You are listening to the Twibbly Podcast, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year, a comedy podcast looking back at this week in history. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Podbean, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. If you want to follow us on social medias or message us with some suggestions for worst ever segments, you can do that over on Facebook or Instagram using TWWWBLY. Welcome back to Twibbly, or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L. With me, he beat Joshua at chess, but he got his ass handed to him playing global thermonuclear war. <laughs> it's Mr. Jeff McLarge. Well, the only way to win is not to play. At least that's what I'm told. It's funny that you picked that as my nom de plume for the week, in that uh, there's a game I play occasionally called Daisy, which is a, it's a survival horror game. I've seen it. I have the subscription service from PlayStation, so I've seen that on my list. Should I get it? Oh, let me ask a better question. Do you like that game? Because generally (laughs) things that you really like, I find dismal and boring. Um, You'll find it dismal and boring. It will be a big walking simulator for you until you starve to death and or die of lack of water or freeze. Mm. But... I like it. I've been playing it for like 800 hours or something over the last few years, and what I like about it is that it's a zero-sum game. There's no point system either. You, it's, it just goes into you survive as long as you can, and eventually something will kill you. That's pretty much the how, what how the game like works. What you like about it? What you like about it is the fact that it'll never bring your pulse above sixty. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> well, it, actually, it does because there are two types of antagonists in the game. There's computer-generated zombies, which are relatively easy to fight, and then there's other yep. players who are generally terrible human beings. And I had my, oh, no, it's a, I had my, it's an online yeah, game. Yeah, it's online only. Um, and oh, I had my run-in with no, the terrible no. human being variety yesterday, last night, and it was okay. it was such that I woke up several hours later, like in the middle of the night, like replaying what had happened, and how I could have done it differently, and got really irritated with the whole situation. It was really funny. You kept reliving it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So. You're like Joshua. You kept running the simulation of the of the war in your mind and how you could win. Yeah, and in no way <laughs> could so I win. That's so funny. So, so what happened was I was in this particular town and I had lost focus because you got to keep watching for other people. Was making my way and scavenging through all these houses, and as I went up into one building, I thought oh, this is a, would be a terrible place to get jumped. And as soon as I was in the building, I heard a, per- a voice say, "Drop your stuff and come out. Come out with your hands up. We've got you surrounded, and we're gonna." We want to take your things. And I right. said, the stupidest thing you can say in that game was like, you're going to have to come up and take them from me. And they did, and they shot oh, you, me. Do you play <laughs> You play with a headset? Yeah, I play with a headset. Oh, yeah. And they, they came up and shot me. And then uh, I, I kind of came out of being shot. And then I told them to go yep. do something to themselves, whereupon they killed me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> It was fun up to that point, and then it was very frustrating afterwards. And so I was like, I'm going to bed. Screw this stupid game. Which is usually how that game ends for me anytime I play. I can't. I can't I can't do those like games like that. I remember maybe like five years ago, maybe less now, uh, or whatever it was, but they were like hyping up the coming 
the coming of a Friday the 13th game. Yeah. And it came out, and I, I bought it. I downloaded it. It was cheap. You know, it was like $15 or whatever. That game, there's another game that came out not long after it uh, based off Evil Dead, and then there's Dead by Daylight. Yeah. And then there's one more game that just came out recently based on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All of those games, all four of them, are glorified hide-and-seek games. Yeah. Which, one, I don't like, and two, children are horrible people. Because, <laughs> like, if I play Friday the 13th, right, and you can either get picked out as the counselors or as Jason. Right. And I hated being Jason. You would think you would that would be the way to play, right? Right, right. I hated being Jason. Because all of these 13-year-old kids are, well, 12-year-old kids, whatever, they're all way better than I am. Right. And I can hear them taunting me, Jason, come and get me, Jason. Come on, I'll help you. It's like, listen, you little sh**. No, no, I I don't. I didn't like playing those games in the first place. And being teased mercilessly by, I don't want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) Well, understandable. Like in Daisy, it's it's a little less like that because the servers have, can pick a server with fewer people on it. So you're less likely to run into other people, but there's opportunities to like team up with people and like run together and try and like go collect particular things that you have before you like log out. Um, And I've been playing in a way that discourages that I've been trying to play like as like a lone guy, single survivor only campaigns to see how far into the game I can get. So the run I was on yesterday until I was uh, mercilessly murdered by two people was just over three and a half hours of gameplay. It wasn't oh, bad. Oh, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And yeah. that was that's over like a period of like two or three sessions, but Oh, all right. But um yeah, that was a that was a pretty good run for me. All right. So this has been a pretty good run. But before we get into the show proper, I do have my very popular and always well received trivia question. Hey Jeff. Uh nobody here by that name. <laughs> this one should be fairly easy. Yes. What state in the United States of America is the furthest east? What state in the United States of America is the furthest east? Yes. Okay. Yep. End of the show. Yep. All right. Very good. But this is the week beginning. October the 23rd. And let's, you know, for s*** and giggles, let's say it's your turn to start. All right. Well, uh, it's a smurfing good time to be me then. For Smurfs and Giggles. For Smurfs and Giggles. On October 23rd, 1958, the characters known as the Smurfs first appear in the story Johan and Pirlu by a Belgian cartoonist named Peo. 1958 is a long time back. I remember the Smurfs yeah. in the 1980s coming to the United States and being a sort of a big deal in the early 1980s. Phenomenon. Right? Phenomenal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had no idea that they were around quite that long, and I didn't realize that they were this really long-running comic strip from Belgium either. Yeah, a good 25 years in between their creation and then when Americans finally pick up on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess there's a cultural continuity between the U.S. and Belgium with regard to this kind of thing because once it sort of made its way out of Belgium into the United States, it became super-duper popular with cartoon right. shows. There's a couple of movies, tons upon tons of figures that were right, collectible. Well, before you go any further, yep. Uh, let's just assume that somebody is listening uh, doesn't know what the hell a Smurf is. Oh, they don't yeah. know what the Smurf. They don't know what the Smurf you're talking about, Jeff. Let's. What are Smurfs? 
Smurfs are little blue, I guess, gnomes that live in the woods inside mushrooms and are like a little... They all look the same. Yeah, but they all have characteristics. So there's like dopey Smurf. There's, you know, sleepy Smurf. So there's there's a lot of like influence from, I want to say, standard issue fairy tales in them. But the consistent adventures make them interesting for longer form storytelling. They have a a character who doesn't like them or is trying to eat them, like named Gargamel. He's got a cat. He's trying to catch them. They have all these sort of adventures in in their society in and around the Smurf village where they live. And what makes them fun is they use Smurf as a sort of an all-purpose word. Seems to be used as a noun, an adjective, and a verb at any given time. And it makes that's very Smurfy of you, yeah. Yes, it's uh, it's the way I Smurf. So, yep. and in that, it becomes more fun to read and experience because you can fill in whatever the Smurf you want with whatever <laughs> the Smurf you think should be there, and it can change the meaning of what the the comics say. Yeah, that was merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. There was a Smurf ton of merchandise. Yes, there was a <laughs> a metric Smurf ton. Uh, because they're in Belgium and they are on the metric system. True. Anyhow, I remember there being video games. There was one on ColecoVision. Yep. I had one on the Sega Genesis or Master System that was very good, too. Mm-hmm. There was a Saturday morning cartoon. There was figurines galore. You know, of all different sizes. There was, like, little desk ones. And then there was, like, plushy size and all that. I remember distinctly that the description of Smurfs they were three apples high. Why that sticks out in my mind, I don't remember. But that's how tall they are. They are oh, three apples high. That's uh, good to know in case yeah. I ever have to measure anything in apples. Like, yeah. If you ever see three apples stacked up on one on top of the other, you're like, that's about the size of a Smurf. <laughs> What's well, one Smurf high? Roughly, roughly three apples. Okay, moving on to October the 24th, 1931. The most heavily traveled bridge in the world, the George Washington Bridge, which connects New York to New Jersey, opens to the public. I cannot tell a lie. I've never been over that bridge. Oh, really? You've never been over George Washington, huh? Nope. I've never been over the George Washington Bridge. I've only been to New York City once. Uh Uh-huh. And the other time that I was down that way, I went all the way around what used to be called the Tappan Zee Bridge to go around the city. Okay, yeah. That bridge doesn't exist anymore. It's now the Mario Cuomo Bridge. See? Uh, Yeah. If you want to go through New York with any amount of speed whatsoever, you have two choices. Don't go over George Washington Bridge or go through like during vampire hours. Mm -hmm. The George Washington Bridge is always really, really congested. Even whenever I go through in vampire hours... It, there's a lot of traffic on there. I think that's the bridge that gets used at the end of the Italian zombie horror movie, right? Zombie? Where they're all shuffling towards... It looks like they're shuffling towards New Jersey in the middle of the bridge with the traffic going by. Could very well be. Could I can't, very well be. I can't, I can't picture them stopping traffic to film a movie on that thing because it's always, always super busy. No, I don't think they did. I think they were in the... Maybe it was the Brooklyn Bridge, but I thought it was the, the George Washington, which has... Which had an area in the middle where people could sort of shuffle across. I don't know. I'll, no, have, to find the, no, I'll that, have to find the clip and send it to you at some point. That is definitely not George Washington. 
George Washington has an upper level and a lower level. The upper level is for like your trucks mm-hmm. and stuff, and the lower level is for the cars. If you go through during the vampire hours, you can go to the upper level if you're in a car. You know, and it's kind of cool because you can look right across the river. That's the Hudson River's crossing. And you can look right across and you can see New York City. And on certain nights, you can actually see the Empire State Building because it's oh, so wow. tall, you know? Yeah, it's really cool. I remember driving home from Ohio and my friend Sean, like, requesting that we go over the top. And like I said, it depends on the time. Because I made the mistake one time of going over the top during busy hours and just getting yelled at by truckers. The f- are you doing? Because I'm because I was I was being where I wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've again I've never been on it. I've only ever seen it in, in either in pictures or probably only in pictures. Now that I'm looking to see if if it was directed if it was used in that film and it doesn't appear to be so. So I'll have to take your word for how how much terrible traffic there is. Yeah, it's always really congested to go over, like I said, except for like maybe three three hours during the middle of the night. And the other thing about it, too, is it's really expensive. If you're traveling, technically it's uh, north to south, but if you're going as the crows fly, it's, yeah. it's west to east. I mean, east to west. If you're going east to west, it's free. Coming home... No, no, it's like $15. It's a really, really expensive bridge. Oof, that's a, definitely an expensive trip back. I guess just never come home. Save the yep. 15 bucks. I'm out of here, guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> almost like Daffy Duck. I'll tell you this blue button to get you back down. Yeah. <laughs> you want to come home, you got to pay through the nose. Right. All right, next up. October 25th, we have our first celebrity birthday of this week. And it is diminutive, large-voiced English rock singer John Anderson, the lead singer and ultimately the founder, I think, of Yes. Oh, yeah. He was the original vocalist for Yes. That's right. John Anderson. He is tiny, isn't he? He is very little uh, compared to the other people in Yes. And I don't mean like with regard to talent or fame or anything. I Literally, he's a short guy. Yeah. He's a, he's a little dude. But an enormous voice. Like... He sings alto. He sings pretty high up on the range and all that. But what range and what control perfectly suited for that band? Yes. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you have a uh, favorite Yes song or side of an album? <laughs> all right. Before I tell you what my favorite Yes song is, I got a couple of stories I got to get through. Okay. One, I went to see Yes probably about 10 years ago. And I told you I was going to see Yes. And you said, one of my favorite jokes ever. I said, hey, I'm going to go see Yes tonight. You're like, oh, really? What song are they going to play? Because because Yes is notorious for these really long, long songs. And not like Grateful Dead jam songs. No. Like the songs are long on the albums themselves. Yeah. If I had to pick a favorite Yes song... Uh, I'm going to go from one off their second album. The name of the song is I've Seen All Good People. Ah. It's broken up into two halves. And the first half, the It's Your Move half of the song, right. is okay. But that second half, the I've Seen All Good People, is phenomenal. I love Isn't that Isn't that on their first record? That's on the Yes album. Yeah, that's actually the second album. Is it really? Okay. Fragile's the first yeah. one? 
No, the first album is just called Yes. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's uh, Steve Howe wasn't on their first album. Oh, okay. That's probably why I don't know it then. Yeah. So And, and so, you? So my favorite is from Fragile, and it's the song Heart of the Sunrise, which is just uh-huh. a brilliant song. It's The lyrics are ambiguous, bordering on nonsensical, but it jumps through like three or four different song styles over the 12 or 14-minute running time that it has. It's a great song. They're, they're nonsensical because John Anderson is a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, all of all of Yes's on, lyrics are n- pretty nonsensical. You ever see him when he used to go on Howard Stern and no. he would like talk about like how he goes to visit these like fantasy realms with like gnomes and mushrooms and Smurfs? I guess, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'll have to go find some Smurfing video of that though, because I'm uh, sure it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's an odd odd man. I don't know. If he's allowed back in America or something, because whenever, um, uh, whenever Yes plays in America, they tend to play with a guy named Benoit. Yeah. I don't know. Well, if that's, so, I mean, if there's a concern about him being able to get a visa or something, they should, Steve Howe could probably just put him in his guitar case <laughs> and smuggle oh my him God, in. It's so weird because Steve Howe looks like a little wizard now. <laughs> he, he definitely does. He's an odd looking guy um, yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right, yes. so, all right, let's, we got to move, yes, ha, we have to move on, though, because we're not talking about Steve Allen, we're talking right. about Johnny Anderson. But we're going to go on to the next one, because this is such a weird story, ready? Yes. Yes, we get it, Jeff. <laughs> well, I don't know what you want me to say, it's an affirmative. Affirmative. Uh, yeah. October, 20, October 26, 1901, the first recorded use of a getaway car occurs after a holdup in a shop in Paris. Now, this, it doesn't, this doesn't seem all that amazing until you say it out loud. Because, yeah. like, what do you think they did before that? Like, just, like, walked home? All right, bye, guys. Well, for me, it's like, well, how are they going to be inconspicuous in 1901 in Paris with a car? That they, I'm sure they parked directly outside of the bank, right? Yeah. And went in and did the... Uh, you will now give me all of the money. And they take yeah. the money, you know, in the bags with the big dollar sign or whatever money. the French franc sign is on the side. And they go out and then somebody has to crank the car to life, you yeah. know. Money, s'il vous plaît. We'll take all of the money. Yes, uh, every last uh, franc, please. <laughs> and then they putter off at like eight miles an hour. <laughs> Certainly the, the witnesses are going to say like, well, it's those guys right there. In yeah, that slow-moving thing yeah. with no horse in front of it, with the the backfiring like you see on the cartoons, right? Yeah, it's and and it'd be like, well, it's, uh, did you catch the registration number? Yeah, it was one. That yeah. was the license plate number. It was one. It was the first, the first car I've ever seen. And it's 1901. It's not like there's a ton of cars on the road, right? You know, Jacques and Pierre were just over there thinking to themselves, "Hey, we got this car, right?" Look, we're gonna we be probably we're gonna be way faster. Get away than the quick! Yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah. away fast. Yeah, burn up the tires. At well, we're hitting speeds of nine. I guess up until then, people were like riding alongside trains with horses. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the getaway horse. All right, let's move on to the twenty seventh, October twenty seventh, nineteen eighty eight. The film E. T. is first released on home video. That's VHS tapes for you kids out there. As it's released, it's pre- there are 14 million copies that are pre-sold before it even appears in like three-dimensional space. 
Well, that you remember makes e. perfect sense because I mean E.T. the movie came out in theaters 1982, I believe. Yep. And it played in theaters for a long time. That's the way movies worked back then. It was probably in theaters for the better half of a year. It was a year. And, it was at the mall yeah. for a year. And then it wasn't. And then unlike Star Wars and Indiana Jones and other huge blockbuster movies, E.T. never came on cable. Yeah, it was and, never on HBO. It was never right. on Cinemax. Never on, like, Disney or whatever the hell. It right. just... It just wasn't. Yeah. When it was finally released, I I don't know if I, I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna say this. I wonder if the terribleness of the the Atari video game helped keep it off of, keep it out of like TV because it was that was such a big, oh yeah, such that's a big right. flaw right in the whole marketing licensing of the thing. Yeah, you know? that that ruined the video game industry for a good five years or yeah, more. Right. I, I wonder if it made you know Steven Spielberg go like. Um, you know what? Let's wait another seven months before we, we. No, you know what? We'll go a year. And yeah, and then finally in 1988, he's like, "Anybody remember that crappy video game? What video game? All right, let's get it going." You know. <laughs> yeah, by '88, the Nintendo Entertainment System came out, and people liked video games again. He probably thought it was uh, right. safe to go back to the water. Right. Uh-huh. Huh. Have you ever seen ET? I saw ET in 1982. I saw it one time. Oh, in the theater, really. I did not watch that movie. I had never seen it until, oh, Christ, Christ on a cracker. I don't remember. I remember my aunt, my aunt Ruth liked it. And she had, or either Aunt Ruth or Aunt Eva, it doesn't matter, they lived together. I had two spinsters for arts. Yes. And they had bought the home video, and I remember borrowing it from them because I had never seen it. There's some like weird false memory or Mandela effect because my brother as of 2023, swears blind that he's never seen E.T. Right. But I remember him saying that he was in the theater and whatever E.T. like turned white yeah. and stuff, there was a little girl that like yelled out in the theater, don't cry, E.T. And my brother <laughs> thought that was really cute and sad. But I, like I have that memory. Yeah. But my brother like swears on you know any stack of books you give him that he's never seen it. Well, I'm. I, I wonder if he read of that, you know, account in some of the numerous descriptions of what it was like to go see that in '82. Yeah. Uh, I will say this: the only reason that I've I've never seen it more than once is that even in 1982, when I was but a wee lad of preteen age, I mm-hmm. thought the movie was super emotionally manipulative and wasn't having it. I was like, nope, he's <laughs> just playing. He's just playing with our. Mother. That's the whole the whole gist of this. That this isn't the kind of science fiction I'm interested. In. Give me space battles and laser swords and spaceships. And oh my God, you're you're 12 years old and cynical as hell. Cynical about already, it. right? Really like funny. I want to, you know, <laughs> give me a reason. I need more conflict than this. <laughs> ET was the first ride over at Universal Studios in yep. Florida, and part of the contract is it can never be taken out of there. Oh, jeez. It is the longest running ride there. It's the only ride there from the original setup of Universal Studios. And that is part of the contract. That thing will be there forever. Forever, ever? Forever. <laughs> I did I did suffer consequences because my mom played the song Heartlight and the Neil Diamond album where that song was the lead single approximately 17 trillion times uh, during the years where this was not available on home video. 
So I don't remember. We did that as a worst song ever, didn't we? We yes, we did indeed. We had to have, yeah. Ugh. 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 All right, <laughs> moving on. October the twenty eighth, nineteen nineteen. The Volstead Act passes by U.S. Congress. Mm-hmm. Now, the Volstead Act is basically established prohibition ah. in this country. Now, Woodrow Wilson, who was the president at the time, vetoed that shit because he had common sense. But it had passed Congress with such a uh, majority, a supermajority, it was veto-proof, and yeah. it passed. Yes, there are a couple of reasons that it became super-duper popular. And there's a really good documentary you can go find that uh, PBS put out, I don't know, a dozen years ago, which is 47,000 hours long, but it's it's worth watching. And yeah. Prohibition... And you came, get a free handbag. Yeah. <laughs> Prohibition came not just from the quote-unquote temperance movement, which is, you know, a strain of fundamentalist religion here in the United States. It didn't want people to drink because it was bad for families, which is part of the, what the temperance movement was. But it was politicians who glommed onto that to close saloons, to close saloons where workers would get together and organize. So ah. the Volstead Act closed all the places where people could go after spending... 12 hours a day in like a meat factory and go have a Pabst Blue Ribbon beer and eat some peanuts and talk about how crappy their jobs were and what they should do to try and collectively figure out how to make it better. Those places all got closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a a bad plan. How long did Prohibition last? It was like five years, right? Uh, It was longer than five years. So 1919 to 1933. Oh, wow. So 15 years. Yeah, it was a long time. It was a long time. And, uh, you know, for those of you who are looking back at the past as a window into the future, one of the real big byproducts of Prohibition was organized crime. Because (laughs) imagine, if you will, all of a sudden, people who've been able to, to drink alcohol now can't drink alcohol. Not at least legally. So what happens? Something comes in to fill that vacuum, and it happens to be people like Al Capone. You know what's also very interesting is up until 1935, marijuana was perfectly legal in this country. Yes. It got outlawed in 1935. Yes. So you have to think during the whole prohibition, people could have smoked all the weed they wanted, but you took away their beer and wine, and that's what they wanted. You know, it was... It's almost like a carrot on a stick in, the, in that way. I don't even know if it was if it was like marijuana that was. I'm saying this with air quotes, but like smokable that was a big deal. That was really associated with like African American communities in in the early 1900s, right up until it went. It was a scare that black people were going to kill you if they got high. Is one of the the ways that they advertised against or lobbied for that to be made illegal. But there's a whole other side too which is the the transition from hemp to cotton-based rope. It was another one because uh-huh. cotton and, and cotton manufacturers they, started to, to really uh, pick up steam after the end of the 1900s. Right. Also wood-based paper. Wood ba- yeah, and wood-based paper, exactly. Yeah. So th- a triple so, threat. Yeah, it, yeah. So right around that time whenever Prohibition ended, we switched out alcohol... Uh, for marijuana at that point. But talking about the beginning of Prohibition, this is 1919. We had just come out of the freaking World War One, Right. And the Spanish flu pandemic. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we had just uh, we just celebrated the invention of the Tommy gun. <laughs> yeah. Ex- yeah, exactly. This is a resident. How did we even survive as a country? Uh, you know, uh, I ask that question, Bill, every single day. <laughs> every single day. You got all these people locked up in their homes like we just went through with the COVID pandemic. All these people locked up in their homes. Right. And, you know, we had a world war. What are we going to do to reward them? Take away their beer and wine. Take away their beer and wine. I'm sure yeah. that'll do great. Yeah. Go seriously, go watch the documentary. It's really good. All right. And let's wrap up the week. October 29th, we have our final celebrity birthday of the week. That is 1957, where Dan Castellaneta is born. And you probably don't recognize that name. And I don't. But you would recognize his voice instantly because he is the voice of Homer Simpson. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and I well- remember his voice from the Tracy Ullman show. Is where The Simpsons mm-hmm. premiered, but he was a character actor on that show as a human being. And he sounds oh, right. just like yeah. Homer Simpson. The Tracy Oldman show, as we've established on previous episodes, was a sketch comedy show on the original incarnation of Fox Television. Network. Yes, 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 it was. The real breakout segment from that show became The Simpsons cartoon shorts that were built into it and became its own. Uh, it's I think that show's still on. Uh, yeah. So... And and Dan is still Dan is still the voice of Homer. Yeah, what a sweetheart gig, you know. Right. Here's this guy who's a character actor on the Tracy Ullman show, and they're like, "Yeah, we only need you to do the voice." And he's probably thinking to himself, "Oh, I don't even have to put on pants and go to work. Right. This is great." <laughs> and I'm sure his kid was saying something like, "When I grow up, I want to be a lard ass just like Dad." So, <laughs> Simpsons quote for you guys. All right. So before we get into our Worst song ever. I got a news of the weird story for you this week, Jeff. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, so October the 28th, 1993, uh, the president of Columbia's largest university, it's called National University. Yep. Yeah, the president of that university pulled down his pants and mooned his audience because <laughs> he kept on being interrupted by the students during his speech. So he was just like, screw you guys, and he whipped his ass out at everybody. Take nice. that. Nice, super, super, super quality uh, commencement speech there. Yeah. This is only 1993. Mooning, I don't know. I always, like, put that in with, like, the, the maybe the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I mean, you're going you're gonna to get maximum visual impact if you're on stage in front of a couple of thousand people. <laughs> so it's not like anybody is going to misinterpret what you are telling them, you know? I'm <laughs> I'm getting mixed signals here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the international sign for, you want me to pucker and do what now? Uh. <laughs> and also on October the 28th, er, for our weird holiday of the week, it is Plush Animal Lover's Day. So for all you people that have your little stuffed animals, and I'm one of them. Yes. Which which, <laughs> stu- which uh, plush stuffed animal do you love, Bill? So I have this duck. Um, I used to play in this band called Market Square Heroes. We would have these long instrumental parts that I wasn't any part of. I didn't sing on that part, and I didn't play keyboards on that part. So I find myself with like a lot of time with nothing to do on the stage. So I started bringing stuff on stage to like kind of futz with while they yep. were doing their thing. And then it grew, and it grew, and people started bringing other things to the show and would just throw them onto the stage. And at one of the shows, this girl, Sasha, I believe her name was, threw this stuffed mallard on the stage. 
And my other friend, Jen, gave him the name Mugwump. And here it is, you know, 32 years later. I still have Mugwump. <laughs> and I bring him with me everywhere I go. Oh, whenever wow. I go on road trips, whenever I go on an airplane or whatever, he is my travel duck. He comes with me, and I have a folder full of pictures on my Facebook of people holding Mugwump. Ah, that is very cool. Yeah, he's he's way cooler than I am. That is very cool. I know he doesn't um, have a podcast, though, does he? He doesn't. No. no. He, I know when I my kids were young, I got them rabbits from Build a Bear. So the way it worked out was Ian built one first, and he named it yeah. Bob the Bunny. And then yeah. when Meg was old enough to go, she she wanted to build one like him, so she built one named Bob the Bunny. So I have two. We have two Bob the Bunnies in the house that we've nice. had since my kids were like three years old each. My my running gag with Mugwump is his favorite band is the Ramones. And his favorite song is Blitzkrieg Bop. Solid choice. Whenever I put Blitzkrieg Bop on, he sits perfectly still differently. Ah. That's his favorite song. You know what song he hates? Uh, oh. The worst song ever. Okay, Jeff. I almost feel like we've done this song before, and yet... I feel like I've never heard this song before. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's a good description. Yeah. The song that we are we're talking about is late stage hair metal. So mm-hmm. end stage hair metal even, 1990, by a band called Steelheart. And the song is the, probably their best known song, I'll Never Let You yeah. Go. Probably best known for. Probably best, probably best known for this song okay before i play the clip i do want to warn the audience this is as we were just saying the death throes of glam metal oh yeah so this is going down the checklist this Literally. is the po- the power ballad the unbelievably high-pitched vocals mm-hmm. and just over the top everything it's crushing so, emotion it is like being pounded on stage by a guy with giant hair. Yep. So buckle up for the for this vocal and try not to have any glassware near your speakers. <laughs> So that's Steelheart. I remember when this song was around. It kind of came and went really fast because this is right before the Comet, as we refer to as right. uh, Nirvana. Nirvana yep. But like the, I didn't play the very beginning of the song because I really wanted to show off this guy's pipes. But the first line of this song is "Angel Eyes, you have angel eyes." This song does not start off strong at all. <laughs> and lyrically, it only gets worse from there. It does. And it's so easy to mix this song up with Mr. Big, Warrant, Winger, a million other, ba- Extreme especially, that uh, it, it has all of the hallmarks. I'm looking at the video uh, as we, we speak here. It has all the hallmarks of those all of those bands with their monster power ballad. It's in black and white. It's, yeah, it's, in, it's in their rehearsal space. Yeah. 
there's a, a level of earnestness that they try to capture on camera that has them doing everything just short of rescuing kittens from a storm drain. And Oh yeah, he did he does the eyebrows. He does the sympathetic oh, eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it is clearly a song that is targeted at someone who is not me. It's like <laughs> all of those songs. None of them are. It's like one of the so, oh, I like this song. Really? What is it about music that you are like turned off by? <laughs> yeah. Oh, White Lion, the other band that these guys sound like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Ooh, shh, shh, shh. Don't, don't speak their name. We <laughs> might use them soon. The funny thing is, going back to this song, when you suggested it, I'm like, Steelheart, I don't recognize the name. I don't remember the band. And then I listened right. to the song and I thought, I, I've heard this song a million times. Mm-hmm. And then I put it on again and I thought, I've never heard this song before in my life. And then I thought, no, no, wait, it's got that part in it that goes... Uh, all right. Let me play it again, and I can like it's none of it. I couldn't remember any of it, even a nanoseconds after I'd listened to it. Yeah, it's almost like the Chinese food of heavy metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it turns me into goldfish brain. Like, what is this? Is this so, is I don't like this, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna record any of it. The worst part about it is I I will get this song stuck in my head, but not the song. Just the part where he goes. Just that, and then it just drops off. I can't remember anything else after that. So, Steelheart forms. They're from like Connecticut, dude. They're from yeah. like around here. Yeah, 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 they are. They are indeed. Nothing good comes out of Connecticut, really. Honestly, it's got the casinos, and that's all I can think of. Connecticut, I don't have a lot of use. For. Insurance companies, so, Bill. That's where all the insurance companies live. Uh, you haven't changed my mind. So, Steelheart. <laughs> Steelheart comes out of uh, Connecticut, right? They're initially formed by the singer whose name honestly looks like somebody dropped a Scrabble bag on the ground. He's a Croatian immigrant named uh, Milenko Mitailovic. I'll believe you. Okay. <laughs> well, look, so, we don't have to say it again, but that's how he says it. Yeah. And Mike. His name's Mike, as far as I'm concerned. Uh-huh. So anyway, uh, he forms a band, and they're initially called Red Alert, which sounds... Like every like cover band that used to play downtown New Bedford, right? You know, during the late eighties and early nineties. Don't forget so tonight. Anyway, it's Red Alert, followed by yeah. Over the Edge, followed by At the Edge, followed by Red Edge <laughs> and Alert Edge. <laughs> First song of the night, so, Boys of Summer by uh, Don Henley. Don right? Henley, yeah. yeah. So he forms a band with I don't know a bunch of other people. And they released their first album, May 10th, 1990. Look at your calendar, kids. That's right before the uh, the meteor hit the, right. hit the Earth. Extinction level event. So, yep. So their second, and it got like top 40, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Still on its second album, Tangled in Rains, released 1992. You know, that's A-N after Nirvana. Mm-hmm. That one goes like 144 on the billboard. billboard yeah, charts. no yeah. one's no one's buying Steelheart records after after Smells yeah. Like Team Spirit comes out. And they disappeared from the. They had a, their first two records were really big in South Korea and different parts of Asia. So they yep. just continued to tour there, like go where the audience is, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and uh, you'll know you'll notice if you like you go back and look at the Wikipedia page, like so many bands that have been on the worst song ever. There's yep. the one person who keeps the band, and I'm saying band with air quotes together, because there are more members that have been out of this band than Spinal Tap has had drummers. It's yeah, like, there's more members out of the band that are currently in the you band. You could make yeah, like nine sure. bands out of the people that used to be in this band. Right. 
There's more people that have been in this band than in Whitesnake, which is a real big, bold statement <laughs> to say. Real, yeah. Yes, we can add them to the group at the beginning of this conversation, too. Yep. Uh, the single, uh, the next single was called Mama Don't You Cry, which went to number one in like a bunch of East Asian countries. But I think the song Mama Don't You Cry, the lyrics were about him saying, I got to move back in with you because <laughs> of Nirvana. You haven't um, rented out my room, right, Mom? <laughs> so in 1996, with a completely different lineup, the only person that's still a part of this band is uh, Milianko. Yeah, Milianko uh, Majavlic, whatever. And just, just Milianko's fine. Just say that. Milianko, Milly. So anyway, uh, Milly's the only person that stuck with this band, which reminds me of my old band, Too Many Gens. I'm like the the me and the drummer, are like the only mainstays, mm-hmm. and to get the drummer to even like come have lunch with me sometimes is, is like a lot of work. Right. So if I if there's ever another incarnation of Too Many Gens, it's probably just going to be me and Milianko over here. <laughs> so. <laughs> In, 1980, in 1996, to no one's surprise, they put out an album that is more alternative sounding than they initially started out with. Right. You know? And I listened to one of those songs today, uh, one of those songs today called We All Die Young, which let me tell you is a feel good toe tapper. But no, that, that song is actually pretty good. It, it, it's a, I, it, I, I went and listened to it today because, you know, as, as you're looking for, I'll never let you. Go, whatever it's called. Yeah, this song gets recommended, and I was like, "Oh, this! Wow, it looks like Milienko. It look is he looks like he's my age now. He looks old, Milienko old." Yeah. And I and <laughs> I started, and I'm like, "Oh, you know what? This isn't a bad song at all." And I noticed yeah. as I was watching the video, there's a ton of live clips, including one particular yes. clip that's we will talk about at the end of this. Yeah. Um, all of the audience were South Koreans. Sure. So he's still got well, a big, well, big fan base, just not here. He is a little older than uh, than us. He is fifty eight. Whenever this recording comes out, ah, okay. But I mean, the guy, all the guy has to do is just go to South Korea for like three months out of the year, and he's got you know more money than I made this year. Right. So good for him, you know. But God, dude, I hope I. I you know what? I'm gonna look. I didn't look before the show. I should have, but. I should have looked up uh, more modern performances yep. of uh, of this song of Never Let You Go because I've seen Def Leppard in concert, like later stage Def Leppard, yep. and I know that Joe Elliott is thinking to himself, yep, should have sang it like that back in 1982. <laughs> so I'm interested to see if uh, Michael, Mike, Millie, whatever his name is, I'm interested to see if he could still hold it together because that's some power that he's singing that song with. Well, Ridiculous I, levels of power. Ad- admittedly, you know, never. Um, uh, we all die young is, a, is an older song, but I'm I was looking at a video, an official video from 2022, which admittedly is a recording of the song with footage put over it. But yeah. I, I couldn't believe how good his voice was, and it sounds a little bit deeper than it did in 1990. Which is yeah, just, good news for you. We all do. Just yeah, it's just gravel, gravelly enough to be really good, and the music was really good in the background, so it's a good tune. Funny thing, if you go and watch watch that video, there are interspersed clips of other concerts across the spectrum of Steelheart's career. Yeah, one particular one, in fact, the most watched clip <laughs> in the video 
is Millie. Oh, yeah, like at the at the bottom of YouTube, you can see where people have like replayed the video yeah, most, most often. Most There's like replayed. a little graph there, yeah. And the most replayed bit is this horrible accident that Milienko was in where a lighting rig sort of crashed down on him on stage and pinned him to the stage face down and like busted his jaw and his eye socket and scorched his his spine up. Yeah, he, he broke his nose and yeah. it, the, it says he broke his nose and twisted his spine. Yeah. That sounds awful. awful. It does. It sounds terrible. And yeah. that, that clip is in, it's a good place for it because of the nature of the song. But yeah. I, it's sad that that's the thing that people go, they're like, hey, you want to see something? <laughs> you don't remember yeah, Steelheart, no, like right? Watching a no, hold on, film. watch, you know, and crunch. Now, what I was when I was reading the article about it today, right? This happened in like, I don't know, like it was in the nineties, yeah, the early nineties, right? Now I saw Kiss in nineteen eighty seven, and I saw Metallica in nineteen eighty nine, and both of them had gimmicks where the light rigging, quote unquote, fell, yeah. from the you know during an explosion kind of a deal. So whenever this light rigging fell down on uh, Michael over here. There must have been at least one dingling of the audience going, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, he's not singing anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but I'm also gonna throw this in that first album, the one with uh, this song on yep. it. Yep. Uh, well, the bad one there. I'll never let you go. I uh, because I have Spotify and I can listen to anything I want, anytime I want. I actually listened to the rest of the album and I sent a message to my friend Frank, who's a big metal guy. And I said, you remember that ridiculous song, Never Let You Go? I listened to the rest of the album, and it's not bad. It really <laughs> no, is. It, it's not bad. It's um, If I was going to like compare it to any of its like contemporaries, I'd say not all that different from like what Y&T was yeah, doing around yep, that time. And, right. And, and it's I, fine. I think, if, I think if you go back to, a, to a, a bunch of the bands that we've, I mean, I sort of made fun of at the beginning of this, right? But if you yeah. go if you go and listen to the records of Warrant Winger, White Snake, etc., et Great White, whatever, you'll yeah. hear the songs that were on the radio that were clearly targeted to the audience of girls who were going to come to the shows. Yeah. But all of the interstitial songs, they're good, hard rocking, fun, very kiss like rock and roll songs that are always really fun to listen to. And I don't doubt that Steelheart has that same sort of album structure. It's just, yeah. it always feels like they're tripping coming out of the gate when they go with that big power ballad first, because nothing yeah. you do after that is, is as popular, you know? Yeah. Look at our friends, Nitro. If they had oh, not released was... Freight Train, <laughs> where would they be no, today? No, they, oh, they suck from top to bottom. <laughs> the, the songs on that album that don't suck are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> You got two streets to go down, Hilarious Avenue and Suck Boulevard. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So before we uh, wrap up the show, I do have the very popular and always well-received jury question, and I can tell just by the tone of your voice, you know the answer. I'm pretty so, sure I do. Jeff, what state in the United States of America, which of the 50 states is the furthest east? The furthest east state in the 50 states of the United States of America is... Maine. You are wrong. Oh. What sticks out and further east than Maine? You're going to hate this answer. Are you ready? If you tell me it's like Puerto Rico or something, I'm going to yell at you. Worse. Alaska. 
Alaska is more east than yes. Maine. And here's why. Here's why. Alaska has that big land mass, the big, 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 big land mass. But if you picture the map in your mind, it also has that strip of islands that sticks yeah, out. Yeah, the Aleutians. Oh, the Aleutian Islands. The last one crosses the international date line and is in the Eastern Hemisphere. Uh, Therefore, yeah, yeah, it is the furthest Eastern state in the United see, States. See, we should have let Japan have that island when they invaded it. <laughs> All right. Well, I will let that one go on a technicality, but... It's, that's a fun, fun, That's fun, a fun one. Fun. I wonder if their flag is rectangular shaped. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap up. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the show for this week. We will see you back here in seven days. Say goodnight, Jeff. Goodnight, Jeff. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. A special thanks to James Costa for our theme music. Find us or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Twibly or T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. Subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends. They'll probably get all the trivia questions right, too. Bastards. <laughs>